Welcome to the Lost Roman Heroes podcast. My name is Matthew. And my name is Matteo. And together we are diving deep into the history of Rome from its founding to its death, uncovering Rome's greatest heroes along the way, and we are ranking them. And in this episode, Matteo, we are going to focus on Tiberius Sempronius Gracchus. Now, before we jump into Gracchus's life, as we do each episode, let's orient ourselves on the map and in time. On the map, we are still in the city of Rome. And we said it last episode, Matteo, we're getting close to a time where the curtain will open on Rome, not in Rome. But for now, we're still there. The year is 163 BC. That is the year in which Tiberius Gracchus was born. In our last episode, the hero candidate, who didn't wind up making it into the Hall of Heroes, Emilianus, died in 129 BC. So when Gracchus is born, Emilianus is 22 years old. And I don't know if you remember, Matteo, but Gracchus is Emilianus's brother-in-law. I did not remember, no. Okay, well, that's why I just threw it out there up front to make the connection. Thanks, appreciate it. Yeah, they knew each other very, very well. They fought together, they were friends, they were rivals, and some say, just maybe, just maybe. Don't. I'm not gonna say it. Let's I just get think there. I know what you're no, say. I'm not gonna say it. Let's just roll and see where this oh, thing no. goes. So that's where we are in the map. Um, so in 163 BCE, the world was undergoing some notable transformations. Uh, in China, the Han Dynasty was consolidating its rule and setting the stage for an era of stability and prosperity after um, centuries and decades of warring. Uh, concurrently, the Seleucid Empire was experiencing turbulence from internal conflicts and internal pressures, contributing to its gradual weakening and decline. And some other regions faced decline, others were in the midst of foundational developments that would shape their trajectories for centuries to come. Okay. Well... With that little preamble, let's get into it, Matteo. So, we ended last episode with the end of the Third Punic War. And you certainly recall, I know I do, we were not feeling upbeat. We yeah, because fe- that's almost like the end of classical antiquity. That, no, that's a lie. The fall of Egypt, I think. The fall of Egypt? Yeah. Well, Egypt fell... Well, Egypt was declining, yeah, but when it was finally integrated into the empire, I mean, ah, it was out of Ptolemaic rule. Fair enough. I would say once the Ptolemies came in power, the end of classical Egypt was... Well, I'm talking about classical antiquity. Understood. I hear what you're saying. So, you came away at the end of the last episode saying something has fundamentally changed here, and we were a little bit on the, the depressed side. Yeah, a little sad. Yeah, absolutely. So, hopefully this episode perks up a little bit. Maybe this gives us hope. Maybe the Republic is not on its way out. Well, you're you're yawning. Sorry. Well, we that know it really is on the way out, but there's a there's a notable change in uh, the aura that Rome gives off. You know. Yes, change in tone. Yeah. All right. So let's get into the life of Tiberius Gracchus. Before we talk about the man born in 163 BC, let's understand where he sits in the spectrum of of the founding families of Rome. So this guy, Matteo, is a Scipio. Right. And if you go to our website at www.lostromanheroes.com, for this episode, episode 13, you will see a map. And uh, rather a family tree, which is the Scipio Paulus Gracchus family tree. We saw it last episode, but I've added Matteo with my superior uh, artistic skills, a little red line. Oh, nice. Yep. And that little red line goes from Publius Scipio Africanus, so the big man, down to Gracchus. So buckle up. This is a little confusing. We started out with Scipio Africanus. In last episode, I don't know if you remember, but I said that he had a daughter named Cornelia, which he did. But we got a little confused because I said Cornelia was married to two different people. Do you remember that? 
I do remember, yes. So it turns out that there were two Cornelias that were the daughters of Scipio Africanus. Oh, that's always nice. The Romans were not super-duper creative with their naming conventions, and it seems like especially for girls. So Scipio Africanus had two daughters, Cornelia and Cornelia. One of those Cornelias married Publius Cornelius Scipio Nasica Corculus. Do you remember Corculus? Oh, another cousin. Yeah, he was the guy that was saying... Cartago Vivenda. Scipio didn't have any sons. He did have sons as well. Real blood sons? He had two real blood sons that wound up amounting to a hill of beans. So Gracchus is from his actual direct bloodline. So Emilianus is not from his direct blood, but Gracchus is. Emilianus was like a cousin, and he became an adopted grandson. Gracchus is a a true blood, full-blooded grandson. Because the second Cornelia married a guy named Tiberius Sempronius Gracchus. That man was a consul. He was a pleb. uh, And he turned into a kind of an an epic uh, character in his own right. So Cornelia is the mother of Gracchus and his brother. There were two sons Tiberius Gracchus, this episode is focused on him, but we'll mention her other son, Gaius, as well in this episode. And we're also going to talk a little bit more about Cornelia Matteo, because she was, to the Romans, a legend. Very much like Lucretia. Remember Lucretia? I do remember, yes. All right, so this is sort of in the same vein. Uh, So Cornelia and her husband Tiberius the Elder had... uh, many kids together actually more than 10 but the ones that we're going to talk about in this episode are Sempronia, Nias and most importantly Tiberius so Tiberius grandson of Africanus son of a guy who was a two-time consul and his sister Sempronia was married to last episode's Scipio Aemilianus you got it? okay so This guy was set up just about as well as you could possibly be to make an impact and excel. But he was a pleb. Interesting, no? Interestingly enough. Interesting, because in the beginning of our episodes, we were talking about this big distinction between the plebs and the patricians in the early Roman Republic. By this point, 350 years later, it wasn't really a big deal, the pleb or patrician distinction although it did have certain nuances that we're going to talk about in this episode. Needless to say, his family was at the very heart of Rome's power structure. And he had all the perks when he was growing up, and we're going to see what that means in a second. So, in 147 BC, Tiberius Gracchus... Do you want to call him Tiberius throughout the episode, or Gracchus? Gracchus, Gracchus. Gracchus? Yeah. All right, so Gracchus... Oh, does he? Yes, indeed. He served as a military tribune underneath his brother-in-law, Emilianus. Remember, Emilianus took charge of the Roman forces when they were sieging Carthage in the Third Punic War? I do remember, yes. All right. Well, our friend Tiber... Excuse me, Gracchus was there as well. And when the city walls were breached, Matteo, Tiberius was supposedly the very first Roman over the walls. And I think he was 16 years old. So he was a military tribune at 16. He was a military tribune at 16 or 17 years old. He was very young. Unless I got my math wrong, we're just going to run with it. And he was first one over the walls, which won him great fame and glory. And look at me at 16. <laughs> Come on. God damn it. Look at <laughs> Seriously. You're going <laughs> to... Failing. Okay. Let's put this into context. All right. So these guys had a lifespan of what? Like 35, 40 years? So he was like at 16 years old. He was a third of the way through a normal lifespan. You have a long life to go. There's plenty of time for you to go storming the walls and being first man over. Well, we'll see what happens in the near future. We'll we'll see what happens. You got got yourself a little time, but we'll be watching. And we're going to report on it in the podcast. So that was 147 BC. Ten years later, Mateo, a lot can happen in ten years. When he was 26 years old, he was appointed Caster or Kester in Spain during the Numantine War. We talked about the Numantines before, or Numantia was a city. The Celtiberians were a Spanish tribe that were resisting 
Roman control. And Gracchus was fighting underneath a Roman consul called Gaius Hostilius Mancinus. Now, Gaius Hostilius Mancinus does not seem to be the most skilled of generals. His army fought several skirmishes against the Celtiberians. They wound up being surrounded, Matteo, and captured. Surrounded and captured. This is the land of Spain where 50 years before, or 60 years before, Scipio Africanus had united the tribes of Spain, had pushed out the Carthaginians, Rome had taken control of Spain, and here we are 60 years later still fighting with the Spaniards. What do you think about that? Well, the Spaniards were very relentless, and you'll see that throughout history. Yeah? It was a, it was a peninsula that was always in constant... Um, well, chaos, I guess. Tumult, turmoil, turmoil, fighting for their independence. They were just always fighting. They were yeah. always fighting. The always fighting, fighting, the fighting Spaniards. Yep, fighting Irish. So, so the consul Mancinus sent Tiberius to negotiate a Roman surrender. So, so Tiberius went to speak to the Celtiberians, and apparently the Celtiberians respected uh, uh, Tiberius Gracchus a great deal because his father had served in Spain with distinction a couple decades before, and apparently they remember him as being an honorable man. So they asked for the son, Gracchus, to come negotiate the Roman surrender. Seems like his family was pretty stacked. Pretty stacked. The question is, is he stacked? I guess we're going to find out. We shall indeed. So this is a few years before Mateo. Remember Emilianus at the end of his career was sent to Spain to clean things up and he was merciless and just started wiping yeah, out. Yeah, he started murdering everybody and took home some slaves. Yeah, exactly. That was when we were started slipping into the whole dun, 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 yeah. dun, dun, dun. So, uh-huh. He started turning Anakin. So this is a l- few years before that. But so the Celtiberians received Gracchus and they negotiated what Gracchus thought was an honorable peace because the Celtiberians could have wiped out the legions. They had them surrounded. There was nowhere they could go. And thanks to Gracchus's negotiation, the legions were able to leave. Fast forward a little bit. How long does it take for Gracchus to walk from Spain back to Rome and to sit in front of the Senate and say, hey guys, guess what I did? How long does it take him? I don't know. Oh. I'm, I'm just wondering. It's a hypothetical question. Oh. More than a couple weeks, I guess. I imagine so. On the Roman roads? Maybe a few weeks. At any rate, he makes it back to Rome. He stands proudly in front of the Senate and says, Good news! I negotiated this awesome treaty and I was able to save the legions. And do you think that the Senate was excited about that, Matteo? No, I don't think they were. How do you think the Senate might have reacted to something like that? Why didn't you annihilate them? That's exactly what the Senate said. They said that this treaty is un-Roman. We don't negotiate peace treaties with the barbarians. We destroy them. And so the Senate did something quite aggressive. What they do? They revoked the citizenship of the consul, Mancinus. And they sent him back to Spain, naked and bound in chains to the Celtiberians. Holy crap. (laughs) Yeah. It's like... They deported him, basically? <laughs> they basically deported him. That went 0 to 60 so quick. Yeah. Wow, that's uh-huh. messed up. Uh-huh. I'm sorry, that's messed up. They, cr- he, they thought that he crossed a big line. And not only did they think that Mancinus crossed a big line, they thought that Gracchus did as well. And some in the Senate thought that Gracchus should be also stripped naked, bound in chains, and sent back to Spain. And amongst those that were against this treaty, Mateo, was his own brother-in-law. Mr. Scipio Emilianus. You can imagine the impression that made on Tiberius Gracchus. Not a very good one, I'll tell you that. How do you think he was feeling his about his... brother was voting for him to be stripped naked and yeah. stripped of his citizenship? And sent in chains to the barbarians. That's crazy. Probably left a little tiny... Maybe we stop playing with the, the tiny little things flying in the sorry, park? Sorry about that. I apologize. Okay. Apologies to the listeners. So left a little tiny bitter aftertaste in the mouth, wouldn't you say? A little something. I'll just say a little bit, just a little bit of bitter aftertaste. Hmm. Might make you start thinking about something like revenge? Possibly a little revenge. Sometimes a little revenge is necessary, you know? Sometimes you gotta bring just a little 
side order of crazy, intense revenge. Makes for a good story. A good story is coming. And let's transition, Mate. I'm going to take you back in time for a second. I hate that sound. I actually hate it. I hate it so much. Okay. I will never make that sound again. But I'm going to leave it in on this episode. It's the last episode. It's there. Mateo, you remember the spirit of 146? At the end of the last episode, we talked about how in 146 BC, Carthage was destroyed. Corinth was destroyed. There was something changing. There was a darkness. Right. The old world as we knew it was starting to be torn down to make way for the new... The new buck on the on the gate, you know. Yes. Someone's knocking on the door. Someone's knocking on the door. Who is it? It's Rome. It's Emperor Palpatine. Right. Yeah. So the armies that had built Rome, and we've been talking about this through many episodes now, were based on the idea of the soldier farmer, the farmer soldier. In order to qualify for the army of Rome, you needed to hold land, and you needed to farm that land. That was the fundamental basis for the legions that conquered the Italian peninsula. Think Cincinnatus coming off his farm to save the Republic and returning to his farm afterwards. That was the classic Roman model. So if you needed to have land holdings to serve in the Roman war, in the Roman army, something had been changing, Matteo, over the last century or so. Now... Soldiers were not just leaving to battle the guy next door and then coming home at the end of the week. They were away from home for many years. Right. The army was starting to rapidly professionalize. It was starting to professionalize, and these soldiers were losing their farms because they weren't home for years at a time, and they would return, and there was no farm left because there was no one left to farm it, and their families were compelled to sell it. Who did they sell their farms to? Senators to the senators who were sitting on their ample rear ends at home and making tons of money. So you had these soldiers, these heroes, coming home and finding themselves landless. And vast tracts of land, the land that formerly belonged to Romans, uh, to citizens, was being taken by the state. And then the state, through a little sleight of hand, you know that game where you put the bean underneath the cup and you swap it around and and choose the cup? Somehow, that little bean always wound up under the cup, sitting underneath the fat hand of a senator. And senators wound up accumulating, Mateo, massive latifundia, or these crazy large estates. And those crazy large estates, we mentioned this in the last episode, increasing, were, were not worked by Roman citizens. Slaves. The slaves. Yes. You said that a little. A little aggressively? Yeah. But it's the truth. It's, it's the truth. It is true. It is the truth. So it is the truth. So the Romans, through these victories throughout the Mediterranean, were not just bringing back loot, but they were bringing back human beings, enslaved human beings, that were working the senators' estates. And guess what the great thing about slaves were, Matteo? Mm, I don't know. What's that? You didn't need to pay them. Boom. Cost efficient. Boom. So these massive latifundia were incredibly profitable, and the senators were making money hand over fist, while the good soldiers that were extending the realm of Rome were finding themselves... Homeless. 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 Crazy. It is crazy, and it gives me chills thinking about it when we think about our country and where we are today with the status of our vets and how neglected they are. Absolutely. The poor health care they receive. It's a country that pretends to take care of their boys, but they don't. Yeah. Eerily similar, Mateo, to the Republic at this moment in time. And where did these Roman vets wind up? They wound up in the city of Rome. They had no more land, they had no job, and they were looking for a way to make ends meet. It was an incredibly explosive moment. And that, Matteo, was the issue that Gracchus seized upon. Was it out of the goodness of his heart, or was it simple political opportunism? And at the end of the day, does it matter? 
we shall see. So, enter Tiberius Gracchus. We left him a short while ago. You dropped the same little plastic thing again? No, I accidentally stepped on it. Okay, that's <laughs> right. So, we left Tiberius Gracchus humiliated a short while before. He was almost sent back to Spain, naked in chains, stripped of his citizenship, but he was not. He was wandering around the capital, Mateo, after being thoroughly humiliated. Was he kicked out of the Senate? He wasn't kicked out of the Senate, but he was extremely popular, not with the senatorial class, not with his peers, but with the common man, because that treaty that was so scorned by the Senate, Mateo, saved lives of common soldiers. The common soldiers that were now feeling horrendously neglected by the wealthy, but not by Gracchus. And so, what are you when every pleb loves you, but the powerful men hate you? What are you? You are set powerful. up. You are set up for a real run at power. Napoleon. And Napoleon. Very true. Mm -hmm. And Caesar as well. Yeah. And in some ways, well, I'm not going to tip my hat. Gracchus became Matteo, tribune of the plebs. Now, very early on, he seized on this issue of the disenfranchised soldiers. Legend says, Matteo, that when he was coming back from war in Spain, remember when I was asking you how long does it take to walk from Spain to, to Rome? I do remember, yeah. Because that wasn't that long ago. That was only like 10 minutes. <laughs> okay, I'm just checking. I'm just checking to see how much attention you're paying. So on his way home, Matteo, he marched through Etruria, through Tuscany, and he saw firsthand these massive farms staffed by slaves. And he also came across the poor that had been displaced from their farms. And that is where the idea came from, according to a charitable recounting of the tale. Maybe he was just a political opportunist. It doesn't matter. The truth is that he did seize upon this issue as tribune of the plebs, and he was one of the very first Roman politicians, Matteo, not to notice the issue. Everybody was aware of the issue. This was a huge problem. But he was one of the first to notice it and to take the issue to the people. Most senators speak in the Senate, not Gracchus. Gracchus took his speeches out in the forum. And this is a snippet of one of those speeches according to Plutarch. Gracchus said, The wild beasts that roam over Italy have every one of them a cave or lair to lurk in, but the men who fight and die for Italy enjoy the common air and light indeed, but nothing else. Houseless and homeless, they wander about with their wives and children. And it's with lying lips that their commanders exhort the soldiers in their battles to defend sepulchres and shrines from the enemy, for not a man of them has a hereditary altar, not one of all these many Romans an ancestral tomb, but they fight and die to support others in wealth and luxury, and though they are styled masters of the world, they have not a single clod of earth that is their own. Damn, that's pretty powerful. You could almost imagine something similar being said today. Absolutely, yeah. Needless to say, he was on to something. He and like a sharp guy. He was a brilliant guy. We're going to talk more about how brilliant he was in a moment. But Mateo, you might be surprised to know that there was a law on the books, a lex agraria, a, a land law, that limited the amount of land any one Roman citizen could hold. Right. However, that law was not enforced. And so what Gracchus did in the Senate was he tried to revive this law. And at first he said the maximum, I think on the books, the maximum amount of land that any one person could hold was 30, there's a measurement called jugera. I'm definitely mispronouncing it. That's about 20 acres. And he said, guys, we're going to limit the land that anybody can have to 20 acres again, 30 jugera. And you can imagine the reaction in the Senate. Not a happy one. I wouldn't say so because you are trying to oppose the most powerful men in the country. So Yeah. Though, you know what's interesting about that? Not everybody in the Senate was opposed to this. Some saw uh, this increasing gap between the haves and have-nots as threatening the underpinnings of the Republic. There was a guy named, uh, there was a consul named Publius Musius Scavola who supported Gracchus. 
Gracchus's father-in-law, Appius Claudius, who was one of the bluest of the blue bloods, also supported his son-in-law. And Publius Licinius Crassus Mucianus is another major player in the Senate. He would shortly be elected Pontifex Maximus, also supported Gracchus. So it's tempting to say that we are truly in that scene in Star Wars where everybody has been corrupted by the influence of the dark side, but we're not there yet in Rome. Right. We're not there yet. But there was enough opposition to Gracchus that he came back and said, okay, okay, forget 30 Jugera, let's go to 300 Jugera. So we're somewhere around 200 acres. Okay. The senators still said no. He said, okay, fine. How about if we compensate you for any improvements you've made on this land that's not yours, we'll compensate you for those improvements, right? You'll get cash in your pocket. How about that? They said no. He said, okay, we'll give you extra land for every son that you have. How about that? They said no. And he said, I'm not getting anywhere with the Senate, so I'm going straight to the people. Mateo, straight to the people. What does that remind you of? What does it make you think of? Makes you think of Napoleon. <laughs> We're going back no, to Napoleon. Makes you think of communism, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, communism and maybe every populist dictator that's ever lived. Yeah, Stalin, yeah. Len Lennox. We we go around. Lenin. Yeah, did you just say Lennox? Lennox Lewis. Lennox Lewis. <laughs> no, Lenin. 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 <laughs> Lennox Lewis. I could completely imagine Lennox Lewis in a toga in the Senate. Oh, that'd be crazy. That would be, be awesome. Be so He's like, do year. not mess with me. He doesn't talk like that. He's Brit. British Canadian, yeah. British Canadian? Yeah. Okay, give me the accent. What would he say? Well... He's British, but he's also Canadian. Okay, but give me, what would he say? I'm with like, the accent. Do it, do it. You're so good with accents. No, I don't. Mateo, I beg of you. <laughs> Mateo, it's my birthday. Give me an accent. No. It is my birthday. I'm not Lennox give Lewis. Me an accent. I'm not a six foot four, freaking 280 pound. But you do British a good guy. accent. No, I don't. Come on, the episode is rolling on. I want an accent. Give it to me. No way. No. Ah, so disappointed. He circumvented the law, he circumvented the Senate. And he went directly to the Council of the Plebs, Mateo, the Concilium Plebis, which was technically something that a tribune of the plebs could do, but it had never been done. And so he tried to push through this law, through the Council of the Plebs, but the Senate had their man. They had a man inside the Council of the Plebs. Mm -hmm. There were 10 tribunes of the plebs. Any single one of them could veto law proposed by any other one. Like the Security Council in the United Nations. Very much like the Security Council. And there was one tribune under the thumb of the Senate. His name was Octavius. And he vetoed the bill, Gracchus's land redistribution bill. And somehow, Gracchus had Octavius deposed. I don't recall how he did it. I think it actually involved physical force. And he was able to push through the land law. Octavius was the guy inside was the guy inside. So the bill was massively popular. And overnight, Gracchus became the most important, the most powerful, the most popular man in Rome. Damn. This bill... Overnight sensation. A humongous overnight sensation. Imagine the little man in Rome had been feeling increasingly neglected and ground down and spit upon for the last century, and overnight, one of the incredibly wealthy, incredibly powerful families, or Sion, uh, uh, one of the leading families, says, I've, not only do I feel your pain, but I'm going to do something about it, and he did it. This law that he passed, the Lex Agraria, it's called the Lex Sempronia Agraria, established a commission, Mateo, which had three members. Tiberius Gracchus, his little brother Gaius Gracchus, and his father-in-law Claudius. And they had the power to take land that technically belonged to the government of Rome, to the state of Rome, and to redistribute it to unlanded veterans. The Senate tried to slow them, Matteo, through a technicality, like they didn't fund the commission, but they started to make a little progress until a guy named Attalus of Pergamum. Attalus III of Pergamum. 
Remember where Pergamum is? I do remember Pergamum. It's in Anatolia. It is. More or less modern Turkey. A good chunk of modern Turkey. Attalus of Pergamum was an ally of Rome, and when he died in his will to prevent Pergamum from falling into decay, left the entire state and the entire treasury to the Romans. That's nice. Nice for the Romans. Well, yeah. So Tiberius, seeing that this happened, or knowing that this happened, because he was privy to whatever happened in the Senate, he seized on the idea, Matteo, of taking the treasure of Pergamum. Remember I said the Senate wasn't funding his commission? So if he didn't fund the commission, it meant the commission couldn't go out and survey land and you know divide it up. They didn't have manpower because they couldn't pay right. anybody. So he said, I'm going to take all of the money that Italus just left to the state, and I'm going to take all the land, basically modern Turkey, and I'm going to use that to reward my poor, suffering, fellow Roman veterans. Why was he able to do that? Very fine question. In fact, that is the question that the Senate asked themselves because this had to do with foreign affairs, and foreign affairs were a job of the Senate. The Senate had power to relate to uh, to manage relationships with uh, foreign governments, foreign sovereigns, uh, foreign wars, foreign lands. And all of a sudden, Gracchus was trying to take that power away from the Senate and to control it directly himself. It felt, Matteo, a little tiny bit like he aspired to be something more than a tribune of the plebs or a member of the Senate. It felt like he aspired to, it's a scary word for the Romans, kingship. Ooh. Though I don't think that seems, doesn't seem like he's doing that to me. Was he really going there? Was the power of the people going to his head? I don't think so. It seems like he was just trying to accomplish his goal. Or was he trying to do good? Or was it some combination of the two? I'd like to think he was trying to do good. I would like to think so as well. That's not the way the Senate painted it. And in the Senate, Matteo, Gracchus had a cousin called Publius Cornelius Scipio Nasica Serapio. Not the same Nasica, though, right? Not the same Nasica. This is the son of that Nasica. There's no way the other one was still alive. Yeah, the other one is no longer alive. So this cousin of his, Nasica, tried to get the Senate to act against Gracchus. He said, guys, this is a bridge too far. He is not just trying to re redistribute land. He's trying to make himself king. The Senate didn't buy it. So the Senate refused to take action directly against Gracchus. And so Scipio Nasica decided to take things into his own hands. And it must be said, Matteo, that there were many in the Senate that supported what was going to happen next. And according to legend, one of them was Scipio Aemilianus, brother-in-law of Gracchus. What about him? He supported what is about to happen. Well, what was about to happen? Gracchus? No. Oh. He supported what is about to happen to Gracchus. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So, Nasica, you can imagine, this is a heated meeting. This is not something that evolved over days or weeks. Nasica went to the Senate and said, guys, we got to do something. We need to do something fast. There was debate in the Senate. A few people said, I agree. Many said no. One of those that said, I agree, was Emilianus. And then Nasica rushed out of the Senate building shouting the following. There was a method to raise the alarm in Rome, to rally the troops in an emergency. And it was, in Latin, Qui rem publicum salvan esse volunt me sequatar. Anyone who wants the community secure, follow me. You can imagine. He runs out, Matteo. They pull their togas, their white togas, over their heads. So it's like a cowl. They're hooded. They rush into the forum, Matteo, with clubs. Oh, no. They seize Gracchus, who is speaking to the people. And they beat him and 300 of his supporters to death. Jeez. Did you see that coming? No. 
that's just even more signs of what we were talking about last episode and the, the big turn that Roma's just went through. Because we're going to see this again later on with Caesar. And it's, I don't know. Wow. For all the civilization, and there is, and they are uh, a nation of laws, much like our own. At the heart, there is this emerging darkness. So, Gracchus's land commission continued to work for some time. And in fact, Matteo, they gave land to an estimated 130,000 Romans. And I'd like to think they were 130,000 deserving Romans. If you go to our website, to our listeners, www.lostromanheroes.com, you'll see a map in the section of images for episode 13, which highlights the areas where archaeologists have detected, Mateo, engraved markers with the names of the commissioners on this land commission, indicating that these were areas where lands had been given to homeless vets. The red spots or the yellow spots? I think it's both the red and the yellow spots. They, the color differences, names of, of different commissioners. So he made a genuine impact in a short period of time because remember, he was a tribune of the plebs for one year. And one thing I neglected to say, Mateo, he asked to be reelected tribune of the plebs. You can't do that? You can't do that. It wasn't technically illegal, but it had never been done in 350 years. And perhaps that was another thing that forced the Senate into action because they thought it was a sign of somebody that was trying to turn himself into something more. Like Caesar. Like a Caesar. Though I don't think he did anything nearly as egregious as Caesar. I agree. Not as egregious as a Caesar. And yet he suffered Caesar's fate because you get this sense that at the very heart of this construct that was the Republic, there was this profound fear of tyrants. And so we've seen it many times. But I don't think that's a tyrant, though. I think that's just fear of the the government losing their power. You know, it's like those... Have you ever seen the movie um, Eyes Wide Shut? Mm, Old Tom Cruise? No, I haven't seen it. When he finds like the whole like secret government and stuff like that and they want to silence him. It's kind of like that, you know, it gives me those vibes. They're this secret cabal controlling the world. They're, they're obviously not secret, but they're controlling the world yeah. and they want to silence the person that's speaking out against them. And they, they just had too much to lose and he was striking at the very heart of their power, which was their, which was land. Yeah. In ancient Rome, land was everything. Perhaps. Well, this land commission, Matteo, it continued work for a short while after he died, but it didn't last long. Because Gracchus's brother-in-law, Scipio Emilianus, got the Senate to pass a law basically stripping power away from the land commission and giving that power to the consuls. And you can imagine that the consuls weren't going to do anything. Yeah. Screw Scipio Emilianus. I don't like him. (laughs) I don't like him either. But we took care of him last episode. He's our lowest scorer and he didn't make it into the Hall of Heroes, so take that. Yeah. I have to say, I'm still a little disappointed you didn't give me a Lennox Lewis accent don't it's my worry birthday. About it. okay well i'm not lennox mm. i want accents so the land distribution basically ended there and shortly thereafter mateo this will make you happy or maybe not happy but just reminding you emilianus died and there was a rumor many speculated that maybe just maybe emilianus's uh mother-in-law and sister so we're talking about Cornelia, daughter of Scipio Africanus, and his sister uh, conspired to kill him. His sister-in-law, rather, right. Sempronia, conspired to kill him because he did nothing to help Gracchus. And he got him killed. Yes. And he sort of got him killed. That's true. The movement that Gracchus started, Matteo, was not done. We will see it in future episodes. And in the short term, it lived on in his brother, Gaius Gracchus, who would very soon pull the pin and throw another grenade into the increasingly fragile structure that was the Old Republic. Was Gracchus martyred? Gracchus would also be killed. 
in a very similar move for very similar reasons. So they both became like little saints of the plebs. Yes, they did. And that is the life of Tiberius Sempronius Gracchus. Now, before we close, Matteo, and before we move on to rank him, a couple of things to note. Uh, first of all, we've been pledging to talk about important women in Rome's history. And we've received many emails and posts and messages and phone calls and texts from listeners, particularly female listeners, encouraging us to try and maybe try harder. So we have talked about the Sabine women, Matteo, early in the days of Rome. And this is the days of uh, pre-Republic. The Sabine women stopped a war. We talked about Lucretia, who basically helped end the line of kings of Rome. And in this episode, we talked briefly about Cornelia, one of the two Cornelia daughters of Scipio Africanus. And I wanted to say a little bit more about her. She had her own episode, but she does merit a brief conversation. So Cornelia is the daughter of Scipio Africanus. As such, she had the very finest of educations, Matteo, because Scipio Africanus, you may recall, was a very literate, educated man and believed a great deal in studying the Greeks and that the Romans could benefit from understanding uh, classical Greek culture. She married an older man who left her a widow, Matteo, as a very young woman. She had 10 children before she was 30 and was widowed. And this really struck me. She would outlive every single one of her children. Wow, that's horrible. Can you possibly imagine? That's for a mother, that's horrifying. Yeah. For, for any parent, but... Yeah. Wow. So, that said, she devoted herself to her kids in their lives. And with no husband, she devoted herself to personally educating her children, which was extremely unusual we think, at this time in Rome. She brought in the finest minds of Rome and the growing empire to help tutor her kids because money was no object and she spent her money on that. She was a devoted mother. She did not spend money on frivolous dress or jewels or prancing around the forum. She dressed simply, lived simply, and gave everything she had to her kids. Now, her children, as we saw, were gifted politicians. Gracchus was a gifted politician. And the thought is, Matteo, that she was very much involved in politics through her kids. And she never disapproved of anything that they did. She supported them completely and wholeheartedly. And after her two sons were murdered, her two sons were murdered. She outlived both of them, saw them killed. She retired from Rome retired from public life to her country estate, reminiscent of her father. And when she died, Matteo, a statue was erected in, in her honor in the form, a bronze statue. And it was the first statue of a woman, a Roman woman erected in the Roman form. Wow. Now, she wrote many letters and some little snippets survive, including this one, which I wanted to share with you and with our listeners, and we will close here. This is Cornelia. You will say that it is a beautiful thing to take on vengeance on enemies. To no one does this seem either greater or more beautiful than it does to me, but only if it is possible to pursue these aims without harming our country. But seeing as that cannot be done, our enemies will not perish for a long time, and for many reasons, and they will be as they are now rather than have our country be destroyed and perish. Wow, you know what that really reminds you of? Abraham Lincoln, I'm not going to lie. Yes. I had not thought about that. It really gives a lot of Lincoln. It is very reminiscent of Lincoln's Gettysburg Address. I wonder if he was influenced by Cornelia. Do you think he might have been? That would be really, really cool. Like the same way that Washington was influenced by Cincinnatus. That would be pretty yes. awesome. It would be pretty awesome. 
Anyways, this quote from Cornelia is so powerful, and we live in such troubling times. It made me think very much about the world that we live in today. So, a bit of a somber note. It's the second episode in which we finish on a somber note, and I hear it still, Mateo, in the background. I hear it, and it's getting louder. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah, absolutely. Just the drums are, the drums are are banging louder and louder each time. And there's a sadness to it. And the the, the good people of the Republic are getting whisked away. They're still there, but you get the sense diminishing. that their voices are not Just as like loud. In Star Wars. Yes. You think Star Wars is influenced by without a doubt by Rome? Absolutely. Like Republic to Empire. It sounds pretty similar. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. So, it's time to rank Tiberius Gracchus, Matteo. Let's start first with his military success. On a scale of 0 to 10, how do we rank him? Well, 0. Well, actually, I don't know. Does Not... military success count with that treaty? Well, remember... He was a military tribune, right? What do we know about him? He was first over the walls in Carthage. Yeah, that's true. He was a military tribune. He should get some points for that. Okay, so... He was a military tribune. He was in Spain as well. We don't know if he fought, but he helped to negotiate a treaty that was spurned by the Senate, but he right, was there. That should be political, though, for negotiating. Yeah, I agree. That's a so political thing. I'll say it's thing. like a six. So if five is average, you're giving him a little bit more than average, and I, I'm guessing you're doing that because he was first over the walls in Carthage. Yeah, it's literally the only reason why. And I, I think you're right. I think, I think that merits it. So you're going to give him a six. I'm going to go with a six as well because that's not average. That's above average. Next... We're going to we we're going to rank him for political success. What would you give him for that? Um, Tricky. Yeah, it's hard because how can you be successful if your political maneuvering got you killed? But at the same time, he won over the people completely. He was able to lay the foundation uh, for a commission that would start in uh, accomplishing his goal. And although it did. Its powers revoked. Um, it finally brought the sentiment to Rome. You know what I mean? And it's something that I'm guessing, what we know, is revisited later on by. Um, why am I blanking on his name? Uh, Marius? Marius. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, man, many people would pick up on Gracchus's playbook, including first his own brother, and ultimately culminating with. Our boy Julius. Yeah. So he's high on the list. What do you give him? You're saying you wouldn't give him ten because ultimately he was killed but he was by martyred. his political rivals. So he was martyred. Yes. So that's old which also looks success, you know. So like Regulus. What did we give Regulus on political success? Uh, we gave Regulus uh seven and an eight. I think we scored Regulus low. I think we did too. Uh, I think I'm going to go for an eight or maybe an eight and a half. I think an eight and a half. Eight and a half. Eight and a half for Mateo. I'm going to give him an eight uh, because he, in my mind, Mateo, he is responsible not for, he is putting himself in the salt in the wounds that had already been opened in the Roman Republic. Yeah. And he is helping he, to accelerate a process that ends in the death of the Republic. He probably knew the, the dangers that were facing him. There's no doubt. And the dangers that facing him, but I think he also knew the damage that he was doing. And he was, was saying, I don't care. Yeah, down with the big guy. Down with the big guy. And if it, if it wounds the Republic, so be it. I'm going to do what yeah. I think is right. And I also think you say that this isn't the case. That there's some element of what he's doing, which is about... The power that was accruing to him. I think power is a seductive thing. I my gut tells me that this wasn't all about the little guy. It was also about him putting his thumb in the eye of all those people that scorned him when he came back from Spain after negotiating that treaty. Probably. And this was his way of getting back. So probably. So eight and a half and eight there. Now his cool hero factor. How cool is a populist, rabble rousing, firebrand politician? It's cool. How cool? It's not 
awesome, but it's cool, you know? I mean, we've seen people like him all throughout history, and they usually end up the same way. They always end up getting, like, killed, you know? Yes. There's many, like, kind of like Jesus Christ, you know? Yes. Jesus Christ basically was the same thing. Um, Overturning the money money changers tables and upsetting the old order? Yeah. Okay. So, so how cool? Zero to ten. What do you think? Uh, I'm thinking, I don't know. I'm thinking like a little more than average, but he's not, you know, Scipio Africanus. He's better than his brother-in-law, Emilianus, who was a two. I'm giving this guy, I'm thinking like a five or a six. I'll give him a six. I'll give him a six. Okay. So six and six. And finally, impact on the world. What is the lasting impact on the world of Tiberius Gracchus? Oh, I think it's high because he started... Uh, he trailblazed uh, a movement that wouldn't be put down and that would continue to be relevant in Rome until its dying days because you even see way later on with people like not Marius with um and I'm focus and what's the other guy's name god damn it I'm blanking on his name okay we're starting with an M as well huh focus not, not Marius his name was also Marius. I don't know. I'm not sure who you're talking about. You know the emperor... That Mauritius? Was, Mauritius, yeah. Huh. Which is all about, you know, the plebs and the soldier, taking care of the soldiers. Yeah. So. Well, so I agree with you. He was Rome's first populace, and we would see this recur again and again and again. And his lasting impact on the world, he helped to accelerate the demise of the Republic. There's no doubt about it. And so his impact was huge. If it weren't... Tiberius Gracchus, I think there would have been another Gracchus because the inequities inherent in the Roman system. I think but, so too, but, but so he, he was he, the first one. Though. He was the first one. So what do you give him? I'll give him an eight. You're gonna give him an eight? Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna go for I think I'm gonna go for an eight as well. Uh, although I think your eight is a more charitable view of him. Mine is a little more negative. And that gets us to a ranking for Gracchus, a total score of 71% Mateo or 56.5 which is high-ish I mean that's not a bad score yeah uh, and that leaves us with the last question which is does Tiberius Gracchus belong in the Hall of Heroes I think if you ask the people they say yes if you ask the people they would say yes if you ask the Senate they would say no who are we asking I think the people you know you think the people? Or I think the little guy makes a hero. I am torn. I'm thinking a no. And this would be our first split. In which case, we need to find a way to decide it. You do we do rock, to. paper, scissors? But why are you thinking no, though? Because I think that he used his power for, for Ill, evil means. I don't think he thought about the consequences of his actions. Uh, he broke if not the law, Roman custom on multiple occasions, standing for Tribune of the Plebs two times, uh, sacking a fellow Tribune and overriding his veto, uh, trying to take control of foreign policy away from the Senate. He was doing things which were radical, revolutionary, and caused harm. Rome had was a, was a well-ordered system and a system of laws, and he flouted them. Well, and not necessarily because the laws were being broken regardless. Not those specific laws. Everything he did, those three things I mentioned, those were first time ever. Right, but And many people that, would follow his playbook. But he was doing that to combat other laws being broken by the all-powerful corrupt senators. Yeah, and it's true. And he was trying to benefit the well-being of soldiers and the little guy, you know, which is a heroic thing. Yeah. So what is a hero? What is a hero? You know? And do two wrongs make a right? I mean, look, I don't know, I don't know, but it's difficult because we say the Romans were very legalistic, but they didn't have an issue breaking the laws when it benefited them. That is perhaps the sad truth of legal systems since the beginning of time. All right, listen, I think that you've convinced me. I will vote yes, but we should come up with a technique for breaking ties. I don't know if it's rock, paper, scissors. Or if we should flip a coin like the guys from Totalis Rankium, but maybe we need... if the people, like the the viewers, decide, we could put like a poll or something. We could put a poll. You know what? Let's do that. 
It'll be a test. Let's put up a poll. We're going to put a poll. Can we do a poll on Instagram? Yeah, but we could do it on Twitter. I think it would be a better place. Okay, we're going to put a poll on Twitter. Everybody that is listening to us now, and we have so many listeners, so many downloads. We're so proud of it. We need you. We need your help. We have a hero candidate in limbo, a man by the name of Tiberius Gracchus. Please go to Twitter and visit us at, at Lost Roman Heroes. And you will see a vote, a poll. It'll be open for, let's say, the next 48 hours. And we need your help. Please vote. Does Tiberius Gracchus belong in the Hall of Heroes or does he not? We need to hear from you, please. That is on Twitter, now known as X, at Lost Roman Heroes. Please vote. In or out, we want to hear from you. Yeah, let us know. And this will be a great way to, to connect with you guys. Awesome way to connect with you. I love it. That was a great idea, Mateo. So please visit us on Twitter. Uh, and that's it for this episode. But don't leave Tiberius Gracchus out there in the cold. Let's either bring him into the lost, the Hall of Heroes or leave him out. But let's vote him in. Let's give him an answer, yeah. Let's give him an answer. So that's it for today. I'm going to repeat something I said last episode. We're now publishing our list of heroes on... The, the our website which is www.lostgermanheroes.com check it out and would love to hear from you if you have any thoughts about how we've scored people please let us know very importantly please we beg you every episode and I will beg again please leave us reviews we're so thrilled to see the numbers of downloads growing but we need to hear from more of you leave us a review on Spotify leave us a review please on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts because it makes a huge difference we love the fact that you're enjoying the show but it's like the old if a tree falls in the forest and nobody's there to hear it does it really fall i mean if people are listening to the podcast but they're not leaving reviews are are they really there and for the apple algorithms and the spotify algorithms uh reviews make all the difference so please leave a review even if it's just a few words makes a huge impact thank you I would like to say that we have some new countries, Matteo, since last episode. Austria and Belgium have just popped up on the list. And our top five countries these days, Matteo, I'm going to do a quick rundown. U.S., number one. Colombia, still in number two spot. Powerful Colombia. Thank you. Canada, in number three. U.K. and Matteo, our number five country, rounding out the top five. Switzerland. Yeah, you said it like a question. Well, who would have thought? I, I just didn't think Switzerland would be very interested in our podcast. Switzerland is apparently interested in the Lost Roman Heroes podcast. Shout out to Switzerland. Yay! Well, that's cool. We were just in Austria not too long ago. Yeah, that's true. We were. So shout out, and we were in, in Switzerland as well. So shout out to the Swiss, and shout out to Austria and Belgium, new countries. Matteo, before we close, as we do every single episode, I would like to read one new review and i'd like you to review this one it is left by a listener called satan satan left us a review well i'm not a big fan of satan but let's see it love the podcast five stars this is the first time i'm writing a review for a podcast but it's well deserved i enjoy the father-son dynamic so much it feels like i'm talking to my dad about the roman empire i hope you keep uploading new podcasts well that, that's awesome well, we will continue to keep all the new podcasts, and we ap appreciate the review. Love the review. That's so cool. Thank you so much, Satan. Um, eh, <laughs> I love the, love the name. And uh, sorry, that's Pepe the Wonder Dog barking over to my left. He's ready to get out and play. So with that, we're going to wrap it up. Please visit us online. Email us at info at lostromanheroes.com. Or visit us on Twitter or on Instagram. And remember, on Twitter, we need to hear from you. He's destroying the rug. Pepe, stop eating the carpet. Okay, sorry about that, guys. Don't leave Gracchus out in the cold. We need to hear from you on Instagram. Thank you so very much. And we will see you next episode when we are going to be talking about, wait for it, Wait for it. Hang on one second. We are going to be talking about... Um, we're going to skip the next Gracchus because we basically touched on him now and he's sort of a repeat of his brother. 
we're going to be talking about Lucius Cornelius Sula. Mateo. Sula is a name that rings bells in history. Big bells. So get ready for big bells next week. And thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Thank you. Thank you.